We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1 where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now. You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top part show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by DoorDash and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. And the Lakers have won Game 4, 102-96, in a uh, very intense, very gut-wrenching, uh, nerve-wracking, phenomenal finals game. That was the first game of the finals that really felt like a finals game, because those take years off of your life, and I'm pretty sure this one did. But the Lakers prevail. Uh, we are one win away from our 17th championship. Uh, incredible feeling. Those game fours, man, when it's two to one, there's nothing quite like it. I, I don't know. Like game fours, do you feel the same way about those? About those? Oh, I wrote about this was like the second paragraph in my game preview. You, you know, game fours are, they are the pivot point of any series where a team is up 2-1, basically, right? Because it could only be 2-1 in one direction or th- or 3-0, right? And if it's 3-0, mm-hmm. then the air is out of the balloon. But right. in a series that's 2-1, it is the pivot point. You either go up 3-1 and you take a stranglehold, or it's 2-2 and now it's a best-of-three series. And I expected both teams to play with more focus i expected both teams to play with more desperation and i wrote this i said i expect it to be a super competitive game and that's exactly what what we got i didn't write today's lottery numbers so unfortunately no one's gonna walk home you you know with a hundred million dollars or anything like that but but i did sort of see something like this brewing just in the way that everything's set set up right especially coming off of a game three where Miami certainly um their belief in terms of what they could accomplish was reinforced after game three and the Lakers surely would have had to have seen game three as a wake-up call right as we need to get back to what we do best, um, which is defend the hell out of the basketball and really play with effort. And 
what made this game great is Miami was up for that challenge, right? And you saw two super competitive teams who are both physical, who are both well-coached. You saw them like, like two rams, right up in the mountains, just locking horns and, and, and butting heads, like possession after possession after possession. And the stakes of this game felt so high and every possession felt so critical, especially since the game was so slow, right? Like it, it was a low possession game and you just felt like, oh man, like every possession felt critical. And, um, to have my wife was was asking me like how are you doing I'm just like this game is so stressful like yeah this was it, I was dying this whole game man I was like I just need a seven or eight point lead we got it eventually but man every and like Duncan Robinson banking in some BS fading to his left and but just but, but that added to in <laughs> like in hindsight that added to the theater of this game and, and sure. it was part of what made it great right when bam hit that um shot at the buzzer that banked mm-hmm. in but they ruled it a shot clock violation i thought to myself all right that's one too many now right like uh-huh. yeah, yeah yeah exactly that, that was some the basketball gods uh yeah exactly um so in the vein of this being a game where every possession counted, we're going to do something that we normally don't do and go kind of chronologically throughout yeah. the game. Um, Lakers came out in the first quarter and they, they finished that quarter up 27 to 22, but it was kind of a frustrating quarter. Uh, Jimmy Butler had 12 points, shot a perfect five for five from the field. Duncan Robinson hit a couple of uh, jumpers. The Lakers were mucked up on the offensive end, really tried to force the ball into Anthony Davis. Must have had four turnovers trying to make a post-entry pass to him. Let's start with that, with with kind of the Lakers' approach on offense and how gunked up it was in that first quarter especially. What what worked? Because our our shooters hit shots in that first quarter, but that— I think obscured poor offense. Well, l- let's talk about the matchups too, right? So the Lakers starters started Dwight, so they kept their normal starter starting lineup. But the Heat made an adjustment by moving Bam onto AD. Well, Bam played. That's a, a yeah, change so, in and of so, itself. Yeah. So Bam played. But the last time that Bam played, um, they went man to man, but Bam was on Dwight and Crowder was on Crowder. AD. Mm-hmm. And... Crowder did a pretty decent job defending AD last game, right? Like he did a lot of three quarter and and and, and full um, full fronting action in terms of defense, and they did a really good job denying AD the ball in general, and then sending double teams at him almost immediately. So when Miami switched to Bam, they kept up doing that same sort of defense. And what the Lakers tried to do then was run more ball screen action between LeBron and AD in order to either get AD downhill um, in a straight pit pick and roll or use that to force a switch and then to post up against Jimmy. But Jimmy basically just did his Crowder impersonation from game three. He got on the three-quarter post. He really then um, was denying Ball entries, I thought Bam was doing a decent job of disrupting passing angles for LeBron and and, and was really taking away um just making it a flatter angle. Uh, yeah, we didn't that's the thing, is like our post entry passers weren't working very hard to make it a better angle. So there was some lack of like just take a dribble to your right, man, yeah. and you you've got a much better passing angle on that. So it was a little of both. And then Miami's sending help low side, right? So you've got Bam or uh or Jimmy in three quarter denial on on LeBron or AD, and then if they make that pass over the top, you've got somebody coming from the baseline yeah. to help out there. Um, what usually counters that, and the Lakers did a better job of this in the second half, is somebody cutting, flashing to the to the free throw line in some high po- uh, some high low type of action. Uh, that's more like you know Caruso cut, Kuzma cut. 
type of play. And Miami took that away in the second half, but it opened up some skip passes for some good looks. But in that first quarter, man, we were just brutal with the turnovers and that, yeah. Well, I just thought too that the Lakers really weren't doing a lot in order to to really manipulate the defense yeah. in any way, like in terms of continuity, right? And so they might run action in order to move AD around the floor, but in the end, there was a big X on the ground for where they wanted AD to catch the ball, the Lakers, mm-hmm. right? right. So any action that they were running was basically just to get him to the left or right block and mm-hmm. Or that mid-post area where, where he loves to turn turn in face and play triple threat. So Miami sort of knew that they weren't going to be able to get AD open anywhere else on the floor besides that spot, right? And all of the cuts and off-ball screens that they were trying to run for AD, none of that was really leading to, to anything. And... The thing that Miami does really well, too, um, and this is just a nature of their personnel, is now that they're starting Hero, Hero's not the best defensive player, but he's bigger than Drogic. Um, he's, he's longer. Duncan Robinson has good size as well. Crowder. And then you've got Jimmy and Bam. That's a very just long and, and obstructive defensive Mm -hmm. group right yeah and so even when the lakers were trying to flash into the middle of the floor they weren't necessarily opening up anything for real high low action in order Mm -hmm. to get a clean catch in the middle of the floor to then throw like throw it to the middle then throw it over the top with with ad dragging down because the heat's defensive players were both well positioned and just offered good deterrence with with their size. And and so I was a bit frustrated with how they were going about trying to get AD and LeBron going in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was good. It like, I thought the Lakers sort of not lucked out, but the fact that their role players showed up early Mm -hmm. really kept them afloat offensively. Yeah. Yeah, when LeBron and AD were trying to figure out how to how to crack this. Um, one thing I did like that they did was, so we went to more pick and roll in this game, and we ran more of our guard screen, you know, our ghost screen type of action, but we moved where we did it to the where we'd have three guys on one side of the court and then KCP or whoever the guard was sitting screen. Danny got a his first three off of this as well they'd come up and set that screen or they'd slip it on the other side of the court and so that hard hedge that they were having with duncan robinson usually duncan robinson uh that hard hedge and recover that leaves on that slip that shooter wide open because robinson's all the way over there and there's nobody to help to you know just to close out to Danny or to close out to KCP. And we got a couple of really good looks based on that. So I did like that adjustment. We saw some of, uh, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself with the, the second quarter, but yeah, the, the, in that first quarter, our KCP shot well, Danny Green hit a couple of, or at least one shot. Um, and like you said, our role players stepped up. On the defensive end, however, Jimmy Butler was giving us a hard time. He yes. started out that first quarter, 12 points, 5 for 5 from the field. What did you see from Jimmy in that first quarter in particular that was giving us problems? So first, let's start with the matchup shift there too, right? So the Lakers changed up their defensive alignment by putting Anthony Davis on Jimmy. Um, the thing, so what Miami did to counter that then with Dwight on Bam still was they were running screen and roll, which is really their stand standard play. And because it was Bam who was coming up to set that screen, AD wasn't able to get under as well. And so they forced a lot of switches still. Mm. And even when AD was getting screened by guards or by wings, he still wasn't able to get under the pick well enough. Now that's not, and 
So Jimmy was still able to maneuver around the court a little bit too freely and and, and sort of <laughs> walk into those mid-range jumpers and get to spots on the floor where he was really comfortable just raising up and, and hitting what for him is is a practice shot. And mm-hmm. I was I like the adjustment of moving AD on to Jimmy, but mm-hmm. I did not like the Lakers' execution in all of the ball action that they were putting Butler in in order to sort of dislodge AD and get Jimmy free again in, mm-hmm. in order to get to it to his spots because I felt like they were just wasting AD's defensive talent there right. by, by not allowing AD to either get through those screens or – and. I felt like they're still giving up the switch too easy. Like what, mm-hmm. like, what are y'all doing? Sure. Right? Don't deploy AD like this only to have him switch off again and then now go have to guard a guy who just floats to the corner or gets put in a bunch of more screen, screen actions, and then suddenly AD's switching again or switching again, and, and he's on Tyler Hero now or he's on Duncan Robinson now, and it's like, mm-hmm. all right, this isn't what you want. You don't want AD chasing a shooter around the perimeter. Yeah, and Miami ran a, t- a ton of double drag screens for Jimmy in this game, in part, in large part, to dislodge AD from him. And LeBron acted as kind of a secondary defender, where he would be the guy at the end of the double drag to, if they absolutely needed to switch it, then LeBron would switch on him. This was you know, as the game progressed. But in that first quarter, yeah, Jimmy was getting to very comfortable spots on the floor. They were seeking out. They have sought out with Butler whenever they can. They can get KCP. They can get Kyle Kuzma. Markeith Morris is a guy where Jimmy bodied him on one shot uh, later in the game. That was kind of a, that was a lefty, you know, mm-hmm. five, six footer around the rim. But with Keith. Jimmy's looking more to beat him with quickness yeah. and hit a hit a pull up or two against him, but they're certainly targeting uh, it, certain defenders, right? And you can see that when LeBron's locked in, Jimmy's not doing much against LeBron. He's not doing much against AD when AD's got his body on him. But there are other guys that they were targeting that they did an excellent job of doing that in the first quarter. And part of it was giving up the switches too easily. Well, it was definitely a. Um a do-over from game three, right? That was one of the Heat's main strategies in mm-hmm. in game three. It was basically anyone but Braun. And that was their that was their offensive approach. Let's get Jimmy going and let's get him going against anyone but the primary defender who's set to guard him. Um as the game went on, the Lakers adjusted to that, right? Um AD really started to go under screens. Um, they had LeBron guard Bam, which was another adjustment, right? And so if it was a switch in that pick and roll, it was going to be LeBron who switched on to Jimmy, and then AD just went went to Bam. And, and so those were things that the Lakers did to counter the counter, right? Mm-hmm. Which is sort of the in-game chess uh, chess match that matters with this. This was the most active game from Vogel in terms of making adjustments, right? We've up until this point, we've been very much a team that's, you know, you got to beat us with what we do and then we'll adjust from there. I thought in this game, I thought we were a little slow on the post, the post up stuff was very aggravating, but I, I we were quicker to yeah. make adjustments in this game. Now, all of that said, Lakers ended that first quarter up by five, 27 to 22, but they started out very slowly in the second quarter in a lineup where I thought Bam Adebayo really kicked our ass to start that second quarter. We had Keefe at the five as we have throughout much of the series. And I, I'm curious about your thoughts about having Bam back and his impact on this game. I thought it was really demonstrated in that second quarter where he's not just big and athletic he's a ball handler so he can give you he's got this nice little inside out dribble where got a little shoulder shake to him and then 
as he explodes toward the basket, then he's getting a bump on Markeith Morris, or I think he had one on Caruso, right, where he's just bodying a much smaller dude. And as we've said throughout these playoffs, the Lakers are team, a team that you need to attack with force, or at least that's somewhere where we can be weak. And finding those athletic mismatches against us is essential to being successful. I thought Bam did a great job of that in the second quarter. What did you see from him in that stretch and just overall his impact on being reinserted into the line? Overall, I thought he had a really, I thought he was really good, right? Just overall, his athleticism matters, his passing matters, his acumen on both sides sides of the ball matters. He helps the Heat. He's an all-star player. He's an all-NBA level player. That That's not a surprise. Um, he does make the Heat more conventional in a mm-hmm. weird way within yeah. within what they run, right? And so the Heat are not necessarily a conventional team in how how much they move off of the ball, how much dribble handoff action they run. And so none of that stuff is conventional. But um, as a big player, Bam plays like a big man. He doesn't stretch to the like he doesn't stretch to the three point line. Um, Olenek not, had killed us with that last couple of games. Yeah, he. So you don't have to close out on him the same way. So then you're not running out to the three point arc, and then he's not creating like dry driving kicks or right. Like Olenek had another good game today, like attacking closeouts and shooting the three, and then being a player who could run off of a dribble handoff and do something or be the guy with the ball who who is handling the rock in a dribble hand handoff right and so that's a lot of offensive versatility from your center nominally and bam bam is great obviously right but there's not as much diversity within his game mm-hmm. um now he does do other things much better than than Olenek. those those plays where he's bringing the ball up himself and then running sort of keepers and and just getting downhill when you're laying off of him. He's great at that. He, he hit a mid range jumper over like over LeBron. And um, in that matchup specifically against Keith, I didn't like that matchup at all for, for the Lakers. I actually wanted them to go back to Dwight Mm -hmm. just to have more size on bam, even though Dwight is going to struggle more, with all the perimeter action stuff that mm-hmm. the Heat likes to run through through Bam. But I just thought Bam's way too quick, he's way too physical, and he's getting way too much action going towards the basket for for my liking. They actually even ran a screen and roll between um Bam and Jimmy, I think. And th- and they switched it and Braun ended up on Bam. But Bam even got on his roll, got all the way to to the rim, and then got an offensive rebound over like over Braun, and then got that little lefty finish, and that was the activity that he brought to to the game. I thought was just really beneficial to Miami from a physicality standpoint, and to me, that was what the Heat brought this game at even a higher level and I thought it was what made the game as as competitive and angst ridden right for fans because of that like we um, alluded to to earlier that 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 just clash of two heavyweights really Mm -hmm. go going at it in the middle of the ring with strength on strength power on power for for a lot of this game. Yeah, I thought we did a nice job on Bam for most of that game, but it was that particular stretch where he really hurt us. And I think that probably in part facilitated the lineup change at halftime because putting Dwight back in to start that fourth quarter, if they mirrored what they did in that first half, would have given, you know, the Lakers the opportunity to do that and not have to rely on Keefe to stop a superior athlete in, in Bam. Uh, I thought we did a nice job of limiting his passing in this game. Part yeah. of that is with Dragic out, but none is a similar type of guard to Dragic, although not as good. Uh, and, but I, I thought that we, we did well on him. LeBron had nice minutes on him in the second half in particular. Uh, so as the second quarter progressed, Miami went up, you know, six or seven points 
after that run to start the quarter. And then I noticed we, we cut into the lead, but I noticed a great deal of frustration from LeBron. That was some a stretch where he was driving in the basket. He wasn't getting whistles that he wanted. He was not uh, getting a great deal of elevation on his drives, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there were a couple of plays where I thought, yeah, he probably got bopped, bopped on the head or something like that. But and he was rushing his finishes around the basket as well and just getting frustrated with teammates. Uh, he kind of took a knee at the end of the second quarter with about three seconds left. What did you see? We, we end up with a one point lead right yeah. after that stretch. So not to make it entirely negative, how did we get to that point of being able to chip away at the Miami lead and take a one point halftime lead? And then with LeBron and AD, they were both very quiet offensively in yeah. that first half. What, what led to that? I thought that, so yes, LeBron was struggling for sure in the entire first half, I thought. Um, in, the, in the first quarter, I thought he was just um, a bit too eager to get the ball to AD. And then as the game clearly was not flowing towards AD, he got a little bit too eager in looking for his own offense in ways where it felt a little rushed and a little forced. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, I think, him trying to take control of the game. And then when he didn't get the whistle, he did get frustrated. Um, I thought, too, though that the way the Lakers got back into it was that they really started to up their shot quality against yeah. the Heat. And um, they really started to move the ball better. I thought Rondo was important during that second quarter, quarter when he got some minutes there just as a facilitator and a passer. I thought Caruso was was moving the ball well, too. And um, the guys... All of those shots weren't falling, but enough of them did. I thought Kuz was was good in the first half as well. I th- I thought he had a much better first half than he did a second half. Well, th- than he did in the second half. Although in the second half, I thought he had some good defensive possessions. Yeah, I thought he was like I thought he was weak on defense in the first half and good on offense, and then it flipped in that second yes. half. He wasn't he wasn't good on offense in the second half, but he had some nice possessions on the other end. Yeah, against none specifically. Like mm-hmm. the Lakers were playing some big lineups and they yeah. put Kuz on none. They put him on Hero a little bit and that worked for them. And, mm-hmm. and so I'll be interested to see if that's something that they go back to in game five, for for example. But look, man, like this was a grinded out game and I felt like the Lakers found a way to manufacture points. Um, particularly without going to the foul line a lot, right? And and so normally when the Lakers are hanging around and hanging around when their offense isn't going well, especially with Braun and AD as shooters or as individual scorers from their own shot creation, um, they get it going by drawing fouls, right? And mm-hmm. they get you in the penalty, and then even an off-ball foul then is two free throws, um, LeBron gets fouled on a cut. It's two free throws. But there wasn't a lot of that in you no. know, the first half. There was much more of that in the fourth quarter, but we'll get mm-hmm. to that a little bit later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a made three here, like in an open court chance there. Um, I thought Rondo's want to sort of get downhill in the screening and roll was effective. Um one of the reasons why I thought Braun was frustrated too is one of the adjustments I was looking for this this game was to use LeBron more as a screener. Mm-hmm. And they did they that did. a fair mm-hmm. amount in the second quarter, but Rondo went away from him. Um, mm-hmm. Well, like the way possession. they were defending, Rondo didn't look comfortable with his jumper in this one. Yeah. And they were really giving that to him in a way that I thought clogged LeBron's opportunities as a role man. I also think that LeBron as a pop guy on those circumstances, or at least mixing it up from time to time, would be impactful. But yeah, it, it was just very clogged. Well, I thought that Rondo, what what I was looking for more of in those situations was for Rondo to string out his dribble. And then for if Rondo strings out his dribble, then Braun is going to read that, right? 
And then he's basically going to go to that Jokic area, which is around the nail or the elbow, and he's going to put um, Kendrick Nunn, which is the guy who was defending Ron Rondo. He's going to put that guy on on his back, and he's going to try to get a mid-post touch. And even if Braun isn't going to score out of that, it's going to create enough commotion in the middle of the floor that the Lakers are likely to generate good offense out out of that. And so I thought part of LeBron's frustration was also related to, to, to the fact that, hey, he's doing some dirty work here. He's getting in there and setting some screens and he's not seeing the ball. There was that one play where it was actually a Caruso bronze screen and roll from the left wing Caruso drove hard middle. Braun was trailing, and he had the pocket win deal for that. Mm-hmm. But instead, Caruso drove. He missed a shot. He thought he got fouled. Um, I think he got a technical for arguing mm-hmm. the play. And <laughs> uh-huh. Braun just looked almost disgusted, right? Yeah, with that was the, the fact pass that to he, make. <laughs> that, that he didn't get the ball there on the roll. And so, overall, the Lakers were hanging in there defensively, I thought. And I thought their role players did a really good job of making enough shots. Um, Braun did get downhill a couple of times, and he had some really good finishes around the basket. Um, When he saw a driving lane, he took advantage of it. But overall, it felt to me like he was wanting to get revved up a little bit more, and the heat defense was just making it hard, man. And the the guys who ended up with the ball in their hands, they the reads they were making weren't to LeBron, which was probably just piling on a bit for him. Like, hey, get this thing back to me. I'm not setting screens because I'm some random power forward here. I'm LeBron James. Yeah, and so we went into halftime with a two-point lead, uh, 49 to 47. Both LeBron and AD had been relatively quiet on the offensive end, but as you said, KCP and some other role guys kept us in it. Uh, you know, we're able to put up enough points to keep us in it. So, uh, as the Lakers go to halftime, we'll go to break. We'll come back and cover the second half. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash has saved me on many nights where I've been working on an LFR video and I haven't had time to make anything, and it's been so convenient to have the food that I want to eat show up at my door, and now they do that in a way where your food will be left safely right outside of your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. You can choose from your favorite restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the door. DoorDash app, select your favorite spot, and food is on its way. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order of $15 or more with DoorDash. So we start the second half with that lineup change. Markeith Morris comes in for Dwight Howard, which I thought had great ramifications for not only that second unit group where we could avoid putting ben, or Markeith Morris on Bam Adebayo later in the game. I also thought it greatly helped our spacing mm-hmm. on the offensive end. What did you see in terms of the impact of that lineup change? Well, two things, right? Um, the first thing is that they stopped trying to force the ball into AD, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have it in my notes. It was really three and a half or four minutes before AD even got a touch in an offensive scoring position. Like the ball swung through him a couple of times in like a delay series action, right. To, to, to sort of swing through, but there was nothing where they were trying to post him up or, or even try to get him going. And so that turned it much more into a, let's get like this change was made for LeBron. So let's, so let's get LeBron going. Um, I actually thought 
one of the ways that LeBron was was just better was he understood that the shot that was there for him was the three point shot. And those those two threes were humongous. We, he needed those so badly. Well, you know, th- one of the ways to counter that high that high hedge action that the Heat were were de- were deploying against him defensively is Jimmy was trying to go under the screen. And and so the guards were doing a really good job of walking him down even further, right? So they were screening and they were rolling, and I'm putting that in quotation marks, uh-huh. because really what they were doing was lead blocking. And they were really trying to give LeBron <laughs> uh-huh. enough space so that he could try to figure something out against that high hedge. And so... The thing is, is when the high hedge was up there, they're not really defending Braun. What they're trying to do is create a way for him to turn him back towards Jimmy, who should be coming up after going under that screen. And what Braun decided to do was, all right, well, that's how you're going to guard me. The shot that's open is this three-pointer, and I'm just going to basically pick up the ball, and I'm going to fire off a three and he he hit a three right and then he acted like he was going to shoot that same three he passed the ball to the wing mm-hmm. and then bam denied the ball back to him and then he back cut and got cut. it up yeah and, and then play. he got another three on a switch then, against bam yeah right and then and then he drove single side in an isolation where you were going to have to help off of strong side corner where there was only one defender there and he drew a shooting foul. Right. And so it's a sidecar right, play. Mm-hmm. And then, so right there, just in those sequence of plays, LeBron scored nine points. Cause he went one for two at the free throw line. And I had it in my notes. Is it Braun time? <clears throat> And then it was two threes, a cut for a layup, and a shooting foul foul drawn. And I was just like, like, yeah, it is. Yeah. And so he clearly got more assertive understanding where his scoring opportunities were going to be with this lineup in. And so it wasn't like the Lakers were running a bunch of stuff to get Morris threes, although I think he did hit a three that quarter. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. It was more just, okay, this this alignment better suits LeBron, um, especially when they're not trying to focus on AD with like, oh, post-entry after post-entry after post-entry, right? They really told AD, okay, you can screen and roll, but when you roll, you're going to flare to the corner, and we're going to get into ball movement stuff and, and, and see where that gets us. What did you see, though, from Braun... Or not even necessarily Braun, but from like the rest of the guys on the court to sort of help facilitate what the Lakers were trying to do offensively. I mean, this is simple, but it was spacing, right? Like we're the three that Keefe hit was off of a drive, kick to the corner, swing to the wing, one more swing to the top of the key. Keefe steps in and and nails it, right? That's just not spacing that you can have with Dwight on the floor. And and so it forced Miami to, to switch more, um, and it gave them fewer places to help off of. I actually like, we made this adjustment toward the end of the second quarter. LeBron had a really quick move, uh, and, and drive to the basket for a layup. We, we weren't as pick and roll heavy in that third quarter as we had been before. It was more single, you know, one on one type matchups and rather than bringing that extra defender. But when we did on that first three that he hit, like you said, there's a time between when Duncan Robinson hard hedges. So he's going to come all the way out, you know, put his arm out on LeBron and it's really just buying Jimmy time to come back to him. And then. Jimmy would have been sagging off of him. So those shots in particular, it's not just the fact that he made them, but the fact that he shot them and decided, I need to loosen things up a little bit. That became 
they had to respect him a little bit more. And then it, it opened things up on the inside. Even something so much like that back cut against Bam is Bam in full ball denial from when the ball's in the corner right there against LeBron. If, if LeBron doesn't make those two threes before then, and yeah. he hit another one that where they went to review it to see if it was a four point play. Yeah. Uh huh. And it didn't count. It didn't end up counting, but LeBron had hit three jumpers in a row by that point. That back cuts no coincidence, right? So it, it was just skill set from, you know, the Lakers weren't doing anything crazy. Uh, in, yeah. It was more in the fourth quarter. We went to more elbow seri- series. We'll talk to, talk about that more. But yeah, just the combination of personnel and LeBron. I, I've been talking about LeBron's jumper being a key to our playoff success for a long time now. And we've been so good that it hasn't really been essential. But this was a game where in that third quarter in particular, kind of ungunking the works was necessary. And he had to make a couple jumpers to do that. Yeah. I also thought the the three that Kuz hit was also an important mm-hmm. three. He yeah. had just committed a turnover the uh, possession was, before, and I was so pissed off. That was such a dumb turnover. flat angle pass. Like, well, you know, yeah. too, it's just like the pass was there initially, and then he looked it off in order to explore a secondary option within the play and then he looked back <laughs> I think to that's a generous that is a generous description by the way of but, what he but was you know, doing like yes. he lost his focus some and then he decided <laughs> I'm still going to make this pass uh-huh. and then Jimmy got a hell of a steal right so credit Butler there there too but but that was just a bad decision by Kuz um but then to come right back a possession later and hit that cor- corner three that was a big shot right and that was I don't know if that was the only basket Kuz hit in in well, boy, in that half, but I thought it was an important one to sort of steady things and, and keep this boxing match as these teams sort of trading shots rather than allowing the Heat to get momentum after that steal and dunk, right? Yeah. Like like I said earlier, this game, every possession felt so important. That a mistake like Kuz's mm-hmm. felt like it could really turn things in a direction. And so to come right back and get a three felt like, oh, okay, like, like great. We're sort of – we're back in it now. So Yeah. Yeah. And so the Lakers closed out that third quarter – up by oh my eyesight is going <laughs> uh they were up by five going into that fourth quarter and to start the fourth um we had the same lineup as we did in the first half Keith was in the game uh lebron did not come out his it was not the normal rotation in that second half right you had lebron stay in until about two minutes left uh synced him his minutes up with jimmy yeah. and miami went on you know tightened it up a little bit toward the end of that but, uh, yeah, going to the fourth up, up by five. And in that fourth, uh, first off, what, what did you see to, to start that quarter? I was concerned about that, those minutes, but Bam wasn't on the floor. Yeah. Starting out the fourth quarter, what, uh, what was the lay of the land there? Well, I just thought that, all right, this is clearly going to be a quarter where Vogel making the adjustment with the lineup to keep Braun in almost that entire third third quarter and then remember too they brought him back in for the final five seconds or whatever of well of the third because um spolster went back to jimmy Mm -hmm. and said oh okay well we've got five seconds let's throw throw the ball to jimmy and let him get the ball up court and lebron defended jimmy picked him up at half court Jimmy took that last second shot. Um, Braun got a good contest on that. And so it's quarter break. Then Braun wraps around, right? And he starts the fourth again. And I thought thought to myself, oh, this is going to be a LeBron quarter now in terms of offense. Um, what, what was important, though, to me wasn't necessarily those first couple of minutes where the Lakers really didn't make a lot of hay, I don't think. It was a lot of trading baskets. But it was going back to AD as early as Vogel did. Yes. I think he came in with like nine minutes and 40 seconds left or something like that. It, mm-hmm. it, 
it was not it it was not too long right no. it was maybe a 2 minute rest for ad after playing the entire third quarter and he went right back to him and it was the fourth quarter where i thought the the theme of that quarter to me was anthony davis's defense and lebron james's offense with some sprinkles of kcp in some really timely moments yeah. and it and so when you talk about the lay of the land at the start start of the period, I'd almost like to fast forward to like approaching the middle part of the quarter where I just thought the Lakers defense really started to turn yeah. it up. Yeah. And um, I thought to myself, this is the Lakers defense that we really hadn't seen the entire series. Um Saw some of it in game one, but the way they were scoring the ball sort of obscured how well they were defending. But this was the highest level of defense yeah. they've played, not not only this series, but maybe in a couple of rounds. Like mm-hmm. Denver, the, the Lakers played some good defense against Denver as well, but this was reminiscent of what they did more against Houston, just mm-hmm. in terms of the scrambling mm-hmm. and how attentive they needed to be, um, how quick they were to sort of cover up three-point shoe shooters and really stay with them. Um, and it really took a couple, I don't want to say miracle shots, but Miami was working deep into the shot mm-hmm. clock to get yeah. up the shots that they were t- taking. And... Anthony Davis was at the center of all of that. Talk yeah. to me some about what you saw from AD defensively be because I thought he put on a clinic. Yeah, uh, we actually defended Jimmy similar to how the Miami Heat have been defending LeBron with that hard hedge with KCP and then AD would recover Jimmy's reticence to take that three, I thought AD did a fantastic job of navigating screens, going under uh and and still staying attached to Jimmy. Jimmy does not drive to the basket nearly as much when AD is on him and is very much looking to pass, but looking looking to pass before he's compromised the defense because he doesn't really compromise the defense. It also allowed us to I, I thought our defense of you know shooters coming off of screens was fantastic. Hero made a couple of great shots coming off of screens where we defended well. I thought you know, this was Duncan Robinson's best game of the series so far. And I thought part of it was because KCP got a lot of minutes on him. And Robinson's just so much bigger that KCP's closeouts didn't bother him quite the way that Danny Greens have or other bigger yeah. players uh, that, that have been on him. Uh, Kuz did a phenomenal job on Kendrick Nunn. But yeah, it, it all ties back to Anthony Davis, man. That Butler is such a physical wing that essentially erasing his physicality me and you're switching and communicating off of the ball and Kuz's ability to stay with smaller players combined to get those deep shot clock type situations right and yeah. and so that was really at the the combination of those factors and LeBron being a if you have to switch somebody onto Jimmy he can handle his physicality as well well, I thought LeBron's backline rotations were excellent. Oh, great point. In yes. the fourth quarter, right? And he so, started a lot of possessions on Bam Adebayo and would rotate off of him. That's right. And he was the guy who was the quote-unquote rim protector, right? But mm-hmm. he wasn't challenging shots at the rim as much as he was making really good early crisp rotations. Beating to guys to meet, their spot. Like yeah. meet, well, just meeting them there and saying, all right, I'm here now. What are you going going to do? And there was one defensive possession where Braun rotated on the back line. And he actually stopped two drives in that same possession just by being big and being present and being early. And that's the only way that this defense is going to work. When you were talking, I want to get back to AD though for, for one second, because one of the things that I thought he did a really good job of defensively when defending Jimmy is that Jimmy clearly started to shift to, or one of the important roles that Jimmy plays is also as a screener, right? Mm, and great point. Yeah. He will run dribble handoff actions himself as well. 
where he's the guy sort of doing what Bam would normally do. And Jimmy's such a physical screener that he can open up players. And I thought AD was making really good stay contest decisions as the guy defending the player who was going to initiate the dribble handoff, right? Because those guys are running off screens, Robinson, Hero, full speed, right? And it's a crazy decision. It's it's literally a millisecond to decide, am I going to jump out and contest here and really hold up the guy coming off of this screen, or am I going to stick with my man, who is Jimmy Butler. And time and time again, I thought he made the right decision. And it was phenomenal, man. And it was just such a, like, not only a great defensive game from a physical standpoint, right? And, and how he leveraged his physical gifts, but the decision-making and the mental process to think through defensive possessions and the defensive IQ he showed was, to me, um, above above and beyond, right? Because the Heat puts you in so many situations where you have to, like, reactionary positions, and you need such great instincts in order to navigate those possessions, um, multiple times in a single possession, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's where I thought AD did such a great job this game, especially in the fourth quarter and down the stretch. Um, just, just a wonderful defensive performance, man. Yeah, he was just one of the best defensive performances I've ever seen from a Laker. On the offensive end, at some point in this game, there was a free throw discrepancy of, I think, 25 to 5. Yeah. And Lakers ended up taking, I believe, 21 free throws in this game. So they, uh, yeah, we shot out, we got to the line quite a bit. I thought we, I thought we got great looks, man, in that fourth quarter. We were like 0 for 8 from three at some point, and six of them were wide open shots. Rattled in and out. Several uh, of them. Rondo uh, had one that went in and out. Kuz had one that go, that went mm-hmm. in and out. These were shots that it's like KCP. I think had one that went in and out. There were several that I thought, oh my goodness, can one of these just fall to sort mm-hmm. of like give the Lakers some breathing room? And none of them did. And I was just like clutching my heart, man. But that was the. The difference in shot quality between what we were getting and what they were getting, that final result was on the low end of if they played that quarter a hundred times, we got great looks and just the, the shot quality that we got from spacing the floor as we did. I thought his rotation with Rondo and Caruso was particularly interesting. Uh, we went to Rondo, Caruso, KCP for yeah. a stretch that I thought along with LeBron and AD, um, where we were able to spread them out enough in that quarter to, you know, Rondo had that drive to the rim. LeBron was fantastic on his weak side crashes as an offensive rebounder. Keefe was crashing from the weak side as well. I thought we did just phenomenal work on the offensive boards and just getting to the line uh, as we did in that fourth quarter. Um, on the offensive end specifically, we know Le- you know AD was controlling the action on on defense, but what did you see on that end of the court as we slowly but surely opened up that game? Well, this was a this was the quarter where I thought the Lakers manufactured points, right? Um, a big key to that was getting the heat into the penalty um, mm-hmm. and getting to the free throw line, man. Yeah. Like, um, oh, Keith had, sorry, at the beginning of this quarter, Keith, that when he leaned into Olenek to get those yeah. three free throws, I thought that yeah. was a huge play because we were having difficulty in that stretch of the game. And that's when we got AD back in. And I thought that that was a huge possession. But anyway, continue. No, Lakers shot 12, 12 free throws that quarter. They went 11 mm-hmm. for 12. Yeah. And so they scored 27 points that that period, but 11 of them were at the line. Um, seven of those by LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. Who went seven yeah. for seven that quarter. So, right, right. Le- so 
LeBron was only two for five that quarter, but he still scored 11 points on only five field goal attempts because he hit seven free throws, man. Um, you look at the rest of the shoot, shooting, Kuz was 0 for 1. Caruso was 0 for 1. Markeith Morris was was 0 for 1. Kuz scored a single point. He had that free throw um, that he hit. Keith had three, well, well, three points on that aforementioned um, three-point foul where he went to the line and and hit all, all of his free throws. But, you, you know, the real shot-making came from AD and KCP that quarter right kcp had that big corner three um mm, transition AD hit ad hit that big dagger three down the stretch um ad also had was this was was it this quarter or was it the quarter before where he hit the um where he hit that the fadeaway yeah. i think it was the quarter before miami okay. had been running some one two two in this game that confused us a bit and i think that was on a one of those possessions yeah that that was in the third quarter that big baseline jumper braun hit one too which mm-hmm. was just that fadeaway it was pretty fit. yeah what, what that was such a great shot but i'm look offensively it was never pretty right mm-hmm. that like none of this game was was pretty the only two plays where i thought the plays that I thought sort of best or that most exemplified what sort of how the Lakers turned the game in their favor was the Rondo layup, right? Mm-hmm. Where they clearly played played him to pass, but it was the same sort of screen and roll sequence that they had used the entire game where Rondo got down downhill almost every single time. Mm-hmm. So he really froze Bam because he did a little eye fake, right? Like, I'm going to pass. And then he got the layup. And then the possession where he held up his dribble and then he hit AD for, for the three. Rondo also did a really good job, and LeBron did a really good job of pushing the pace more this quarter. That three that KCP mm-hmm. hit in in the corner was off a grab and go by LeBron. Where that was a huge got- sequence because Jimmy had a wide open corner three on that play that would have put them up one. I thought that was the biggest sequence of the game. Jimmy misses, LeBron grabs it, pushes up court. KCP sprints, fills you know right corner and drills it. I thought that was the biggest sequence of the game. That was such a huge shot. And then KCP's drive mm-hmm. against Robinson, right? Mm-hmm. All of those shots were spacing shots, yes. basically. You right? don't get those driving lanes without the you, spacing you, on the floor. Like, you just don't get those angles, right? Every shot except for KCP's three, which was early offense and basically a transition play, all of those other shots were generated by by the fact that Miami was really spread spread out and the Lakers took advantage of of that space that KCP attacking the closeout that was a he did a really good job of that this game I thought he had a play earlier during the game where he attacked a closeout and then he got all the way downhill and then he at the last second he threw that lob to AD. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great ATO. That was Vogel's best ATO. Yeah, this was just look, man. Like I know that we've been going sort of chron chronologically with how we've been looking at this game, but I, I mean, this was a huge game from KCP. Oh man, man. like mm-hmm. the. Like, for all the love, look, LeBron deserves a lot of love. I thought that over the course of the full game, 8 for 16 from the floor, 10 for 12 from the foul line. He had 12, 12 rebounds and, and 8 assists. He had 6 turn turnovers, but I swear, like, 5 of those were in the first half, <laughs> yeah. right? And so, basically, 28, 12, and 8 was sort of the catalyst for this team offensively, particularly in the second, well, well, in the second half. AD ended up with 22 points on 8 for 16 shoot, shooting. Like, how he even got to 22 points amazes uh-huh. me. Yeah, we barely talked about his offense in a positive way. Yeah. Well, just considering how 
he was super patient offensively. I don't think he forced. He didn't force shot anything mm-hmm. all game. the The closest shot he got to being forced was was when he the drove left and and shot. No, the one where he drove left hard and then tried to shoot the floater, mm-hmm. and then he fell down out out of bounds. Like I think he oh, was mainly uh, trying to mm-hmm. draw draw a foul, but that was mm-hmm. a second half shot. Mm-hmm. But eight for sixteen, two for four on threes, four for four from from the foul line. But KCP man. Six for twelve from the floor, right? He had fifteen points. He went three for eight from 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 behind the arc. Um, five assists, right? J- we, just we ran him off of those handoff actions a lot more in this game and got him a little more involved. Uh, I, I thought that you know with those attacking the closeouts, his his passing was phenomenal on that. He was, you know, whipping the ball back out to the perimeter and he was attacking with speed and force in a way that is especially necessary in these types of games. Well, you talked about those lineups late, right? And the fact that the Lakers guard rotation in the fourth quarter was basically um, Rondo, Caruso and KCP, those are the Lakers quick, like that's their quickness group, right? Um, we've, so we've talked a lot, about, and this goes back to the idea of malleability and flexibility and roster construction. Mm-hmm. But we've talked a lot about the Lakers' size and their physicality and their ability to play with, with force and strength, right? And Obviously, LeBron, AD, Dwight. We talked about Danny Green, Kuz playing like some shooting guard mm-hmm. and some small forward when he's like six nine, right? But they also really let. I thought they re- did a really good job this game of leveraging their quickness too. Mm-hmm. Um, LeBron, especially in the second half, looking to push the ball a little bit more in well, well in the fourth quarter. Um, AD, but KCP filling the lane hard and spacing to the corner. Caruso flying all all over the court. Um, Rondo really pushing the pace when he saw op- opportunities to well to do so. Um, both those both Rondo and Caruso had big offensive rebounds mm-hmm. this game. Rondo had one down the stretch where ev- in a game where every possession mattered, right? Those types of offensive rebounds look, man, like the Lakers in the fourth quarter, they had four offensive rebounds. Like they had four offensive rebounds, man. And mm-hmm. KCP and Rondo both had one. Morris had one. LeBron had one. Those are, those are huge plays mm-hmm. that you. No one's going to highlight those, right? But every possession mattered, and mm-hmm. the Lakers got four more off off of those possessions. And look, like, do they win the game without one or two, two, two of those? Like, it's you might say no. Like, this game was in the balance. The Lakers mm-hmm. only won this. They they won this game by six points. They won the fourth quarter by by a single point. But those sequences that that we've described, those could have gone in in either direction. And and look, the basketball gods look like they might have had some love for the Heat this game, considering some some of the shots that Miami hit. Man, that um that hero floater. That- <laughs> we threw it fifteen feet up in the air. That was a shot that, like, I don't know. I've seen – that's like a a pregame warm-up shot that guys take in jest, right? Yeah, it's like, a horse let's shot. Throw it, like, yeah. let's throw it as high as we can and see if we could make it swish. Uh-huh. Um, the hero's baseline jumper where he was literally running a billion miles per hour um, with KCP staring down at him to mm-hmm. to – to close it out, you already talked talked about the Robinson banked in three. These are these are shots that those can break your spirit, right? But I thought the Lakers did such a good job of of staying with it mentally and locking in defensively, and it's really why to me they're a game away now from an NBA champ championship and and just what a game. 
One more to go. Lakers win game four, 102 to 96 to take a 3-1 lead. I think Keith probably starts on Friday, got a couple of days off. So LeBron and AD and a couple other guys who played more minutes than they normally do get a little extra R&R. I think the Lakers really found some opportunities in this game to dribble penetrate. And that was the last place that they needed to go in order to kind of conquer Miami's defense. Uh, hopefully we shoot a little bit better, but if we get that same shot quality on Friday, I think we're we're bringing it home. But got to do the work, got to have that appropriate fear and respect the basketball gods along the way. But until Friday, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Ains has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires again, and the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietro's jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, missing. Bryant, yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.